Be with us now by Your Spirit, we pray, in this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometime in late 2015 or early 2016, a very important and exciting development will occur. Sylvester Stallone will be on the big screen again as Rocky Balboa. The blue-collar, scrappy boxer from Philly who's married to the long-suffering Adrian and who is a perpetual underdog. I love the Rocky series. I don't watch it often, but whenever I do see it on TV, I like to sit down and watch it. I got to watch it this past Friday with my uh, father and brother-in-laws. My favorite movie in the series is Rocky IV. The movie came out the year I was born, in 1985, and the subtext of the movie is the Cold War, Soviet Union versus the United States. The Soviet, Ivan Drago, he pummels the flamboyant, loud-mouthed American Apollo Creed so badly that Apollo dies in the arms of Rocky. By the way, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Rocky then takes up the cause of Apollo Creed. Rocky goes to the Soviet Union. He, he trains for this match against Drago. And he goes to avenge the death of his friend Apollo. And there's this iconic moment as the two boxers come together in the middle of the ring to receive instructions where Drago, this giant of a man, this, this Russian, peers down at the tiny, frail-looking Rocky. And he says in a thick Russian accent, he says, I'm going to break you. Rocky stares at him with this, these eyes thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be like Apollo. I'm going to be dead. And in the background during this time, you hear the announcer say, this is a real David and Goliath match. Now that movie is almost 30 years old. But that scenario is almost exactly what most of us think of when we think of David and Goliath. We think about the small, weak David versus the strong, giant Goliath. My guess is that this is exactly what you think about when you hear the phrase David versus Goliath. It may not be Rocky IV that you think about, but you likely do think about some situation where the underdog is going up against the top dog, where the odds are impossible, there's overwhelming uh, situations. Our culture so recognizes that David versus Goliath story that a quick Google search returns over 627,000 hits for the phrase David versus Goliath. There's good reason that we use this phrase David versus Goliath uh, in this way. Uh, we use it to describe all sorts of underdog situations. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel that David is the underdog compared to Goliath. That David's an inexperienced warrior. That he's not as equipped with spears and swords that he's tiny in comparison to the giant Goliath. But the story of David and Goliath is not mainly about the underdog overcoming the giant. Certainly not about Rocky IV. It's not about mainly the moral lessons of courage and perseverance. It's not about how we overcome the giants in our lives or facing the giants, as some movies would say. No, the, the story of David and Goliath, it's supremely about God. It's about God who gives the victory. It's about God and His faithfulness to His covenant promises. And so as we study 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning, we'll look first at the sin of Israel. First at the sin of Israel. Secondly, we'll look at the courage of David. 
the courage of David. And third, the faithfulness of God. The sin of Israel, the courage of David, and the faithfulness of God. Now hear the word of God from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1-25. through 25. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now skip down to verse 19. We're going to skip a few verses there. Verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. The nation of Israel was God's covenant people in the Old Testament. God had defeated the mighty armies of Egypt and brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God made covenant with the people of Israel by giving the Ten Commandments, terms that promised blessing for the people of God if only they would obey. The people received the commandments with trembling and fear. But Moses tells them in Exodus 20.20, 20, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. But Israel did sin. Earlier in 1 Samuel, we learned that the Philistines had defeated the Israelites in battle. The Philistines had stolen the Ark of the Covenant. It was then that Israel went to the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and demanded that Israel have a king over them. And a king sounds innocent enough. But hear what God says to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 8, 
verses 7 and 8. He says, The Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up, up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they also are doing to you. Israel demanded an earthly king. They had rejected God, their king. And God, in an ironic twist of grace, gives them a king. He gives them King Saul. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see that this sin, the sin of idolatry, has carried on in Israel's day. Israel was to be the servant of God. But they are mocked in verse 8 by the Philistine Goliath, who is a worshiper of the idol Dagon. He mocks them and he calls them servants of Saul rather than servants of God. God had led, fed, and protected Israel for 40 years in the desert after escape from Egypt. And in verse 16, Goliath mocks the Israelites for 40 days. Oh, how Israel had forgotten their king, the Lord of hosts. And they they had exchanged him for a king that they could see, a king that they could touch, a king that they could impress. They wanted to be like the other nations, not unique, not set apart, not holy as the covenant people of God. Israel was guilty of what our friends the Puritans might call man-pleasing. I think it's a phrase that needs to come back in our day, man-pleasing. That means an overvaluing of the favor and esteem of men. And in this case, for Israel, it was King Saul. There was not a sense of duty in Israel, a duty of defending God's honor, but rather, there was this duty of reward for pleasing King Saul. We see in verse 25 when Saul offers treasure to the man who steps in the place of where King Saul should be. King Saul should defend Israel, but here in verse 25, King Saul offers to pay someone else to defend Israel. Israel had made their earthly king their idol. And like every idol, Israel's kingly idol left them without much comfort in the face of sure defeat. The Philistines had beaten them once, and with Goliath, Goliath it was sure to happen again. Goliath was a beast of a man between 7 and 9 feet tall, maybe 10 feet tall, depending on how you translate it and how you calculate the translation. He was huge. He was decked out in the best and toughest military armor of the day. Goliath mocked their status as God's people and openly threatened to defy the ranks of Israel in verse 10. And that word defy that shows up many times in this chapter, it literally means to heap shame. So when he says, I will defy the ranks of Israel, he means I will heap shame upon the armies of the living God. And the response from the Israelites in verse 11, they stood strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. No. Verse 11, Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine and were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 24, all the men of Israel fled from him and were much afraid. Goliath was the champion for Israel, a champion, a man willing and able to step out and fight as a representative for his people. The obvious choice for a champion in Israel was King Saul. But the fact is, is there was no champion in Israel because their idol, King Saul, was like every idol. He could not inspire courage. He could not defend them from harm. 
No, this idol could not save the people of God. He was an idol made in the image of Israel. And so he was dismayed. And he was afraid before the enemy of the people of God. John Calvin once said, and it's been oft repeated, that our hearts are an idol factory. We as humans are made in the image of God. We're created for fellowship and worship of God. And yet, like Israel, we seek comfort and courage. Our souls seek calm in that which is not God. This is the natural state of all humanity. We worship the creature rather than the Creator. We are sinners, rebels against God's kingly rule over our lives. Friends, where does your heart go for courage? Where does your heart go for comfort? Where does your heart go for calm? Does it go to the Lord, your Creator? Or does it go to created things? Does it go to a man? Does it go to a woman? Does it go to a religious artifact? Maybe a rosary or an icon? Does it go to money? Does it go to possessions? Does your heart go to any other created thing for comfort and courage and calm? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, or maybe you think you're a Christian and you have questions, first I want you to know that I'm glad that you're here. There's no more important thing for you to consider this morning than who you serve. Who or what is your God? If it is not the God of the Bible, if it is not Yahweh, then what? My hope as you sit here this morning, friend, is that you would see yourself as Israel, created in God's image, but servants of of another God, servants of a lesser God, a God that is not worthy of your service. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we were once like Israel, And all too often, we find ourselves wandering back that way. So brothers and sisters, I would encourage us to pray with the hymn, I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We should pray that we would give the Lord our heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Psalm 146, verse 3, Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Friends, trust the Lord. Don't worship idols. Israel put their trust in a prince and a son of man, and Israel's sin left them without hope in the face of sure defeat and in the face of sure death. King Saul, their idol, he was no champion for Israel. But by God's grace, there was a champion who arose in Israel, the little shepherd boy from Bethlehem, David. So now, hear the word of God from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 26 through 58. Starting in verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him? Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, 
for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And David turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. And when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose again against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of a living God. And David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear, For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and Goliath fell on his face to the ground. David is a shepherd boy from the little town of Bethlehem, a son of Jesse. And he's the newly anointed king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel is led by the Lord to Bethlehem where he anoints David as king of Israel to replace King Saul because King Saul, in his pride, had lost sight, had lost favor in the sight of God. Saul had proven to be a man after his own heart. But David would prove to be a man after God's own heart. In 1 Samuel 17.23, David arrives carrying supplies and he hears Goliath's mocking words, heaping shame upon the glory of God. For maybe the first time in his life, David heard someone blaspheme the name of God. King Saul wouldn't be the champion for Israel today, but he would handsomely reward anyone who did so. 
For King Saul, the battle belonged to the strongest man in Israel, and strangely, he didn't think it was himself. He thought he could pay anyone to fill that role. But David knew that the battle wasn't Israel versus the Philistines, or even David versus Goliath. No, the battle belonged to the Lord. It is a battle for the honor of the Lord of hosts. In 1 Samuel 17, David's courage is shown to us in two ways. It's shown to us in his trust in the Lord and in his zeal for the honor of God's name. When his brothers and all Israel followed after Saul as servants of Saul, when all Israel was dismayed and afraid of the Philistine Goliath, this young shepherd boy steps forward and asks a profound question in verse 26. As the Israelites were running away, picture David standing forward and saying, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy, that he should heap shame on the armies of the living God? God had made a covenant with Abraham that he would make him the father of a great nation, and from the seed of Abraham would come a blessing for the entire world. And this Abrahamic covenant would be marked by what? We marked by circumcision. Israel was God's covenant people. He was God's Israel was God's circumcision. And David knows that he can trust the Lord to keep his promise to his covenant people. God's covenant isn't with the uncircumcised Philistine. It's with the circumcised people of Abraham. David trusts the Lord before his brother Eliab in verses 28-30 through 30 when Eliab challenges David. And here David is all he's trying to do is act faithfully before God. And Eliab is a barrier to David's faithfulness. And in verses 31 through 37, King Saul tells David, You're too young. You're too inexperienced to fight this Goliath. So, first Eliab, and now the king of Israel, stands before David as a barrier to faithfulness to God, as a barrier to trust in God. They stand before David and they discourage him from his trust in God. Don't trust in the Lord, David. No. You're too young and inexperienced. Here, put on this mail of this coat of mail and this. Helmet, these swords and spears. But notice how David responds. David's response is to recount the faithfulness and the power of God in his life. He tells the story in verses 34 through 36 of his days in the pastures watching over the sheep. When a lion or a bear would take a sheep from the flock, he went after him, grabbed him by the beard, and punched him in the face. That's good news. I like that. Then David turns to Saul, he points to Goliath and he says, The Lord, the Lord who delivered me from the paws of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine, this man who is not part of the covenant people of God. God has not made promises to this Philistine. He's made promises to us. And He's proven His promises to be true. God will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And look at David, when, he, when Saul gives him permission to be the champion, when, when this cowardly king says to this young boy, David, the Lord be with you, go be a champion. David takes the honor, he takes the challenge. What does Saul do? Saul says, but before you go, before you go, here's all the armor and all the military clothing that you need. And David says, no, no, I will face Goliath in the same way that I face the lions and the bears. I will face him in my shepherd clothing and with my trust in the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there may be times in your life when you are seeking to be faithful to God, you're seeking to trust God, 
And you will encounter opposition. You will encounter people in your lives who discourage your faithfulness. All who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted, will be opposed, as Paul tells Timothy. It may come from those closest to you, like Eliab, or from those in authority over you, like King Saul. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you to take a page from David. When opposition comes your way, do not lose heart, do not be dismayed, but trust in the Lord your God. Remember His covenant promises to His new covenant people. Christian, recall what God has done for you and what God has done in you. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Christian, in love, He predestined you for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Even more than that, He's given us the church, His beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He has lavished upon you. God has made known to us the mystery of His will, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. To do what? To unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things in your life. Every single thing in your life, He works according to the counsel of His good will. And why does He do it? So that we who hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Christian, you believed in Him. And God sealed you with the promised Holy Spirit. He has given you this guarantee of your inheritance until you take possession of it in glory. Brothers and sisters, take heart in the face of opposition. Recall the faithfulness of God in your life. And praise be to God that He is a God who loves and cares and protects and defends and holds true to His promises for His people. David trusted the Lord. And because he trusted the Lord, he was zealous for the glory of God. This is peppered throughout 1 Samuel 17. In verse 43, Goliath calls curses of Dagon, the Philistine god. He calls out to Dagon and he curses David. David replies in verse 45, he says to Goliath, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And he says this, he says, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Then verse 47, the battle belongs to the Lord and He will give you into our hand. And so with that, David and Goliath face off. Goliath draws near to David and in verse 48, David's zeal, his zeal for the glory of God drove him to run at Goliath. And with one stone and with one shot, David killed Goliath. Goliath defied the armies of the living God, heaping shame upon the name of the glory of God. But by God's grace, David defeated the uncircumcised Philistine, heaping praise upon the name of the Lord of hosts. David's courage came from trust in the Lord, which led to his zeal for the glory of God. But in reality, David's trust, his faith, and David's zeal did not win the day against Goliath. It should be an encouragement to us. But David didn't win the day against Goliath because of his faith or because of his zeal. 
And neither will our faith or our zeal alone win the day in the face of Satan's sin and death. No, it is the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God in our lives that wins the day. So now hear the Word of God from 1 Samuel 17, 50-58. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in David's hand. Skip down to verse 56. The king said, Inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. We've already considered a bit about the covenant relationship between Israel and God. In these last eight verses of 1 Samuel 17, we see even more clearly God's covenant faithfulness to His people through David, the Anointed One. David is Israel's champion. And in verse 52, we see that the men of Israel rise with a shout and they defeat the Philistine army. And after a moment of confusion between Saul and Abner, the story of David and Goliath comes to a close. Led by David, the armies of the living God defeated the enemies of the living God because of the faithfulness of the living God. But we know that that isn't the end of the story. We read later that Saul, King Saul, in his pride and his arrogance, he turns on David. We read about Saul dying in battle while David was fleeing from him. We see that David is officially crowned the king we read in 2 Samuel 7 that God makes a promise to David. God promises David not only that he would def defeat the uh, Philistine Goliath, but also that the throne of his kingdom would be an everlasting throne. Psalm 132 reads, The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body, David, I will set on your throne, the Lord God says to David. God faithfully used His anointed servant David to slay the enemy, Goliath. But God has promised to take it up a notch. He's promised to faithfully use His anointed Davidic future servant to slay the enemies of all the people of God. And so the first thing that we read as we go forward in the Scripture, in the Gospel according to Matthew, is this. We read the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. And just as David announced in 1 Samuel 17, 58, I am from Bethlehem, so Jesus, the son of David, is born in Bethlehem. And just as David was anointed king over Israel, Jesus was anointed in his baptism when the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But this Davidic king, Jesus, Jesus is a better David. Where David was a man after God's own heart, Jesus is God in the flesh. Where David trusted the Lord but could not live a sinless life, Jesus perfectly trusted the Lord and obeyed all His commands. Jesus never once sinned. Where David could not atone for the sins of Israel, Jesus became sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Where David could only defeat Goliath, the physical enemy of Israel, Jesus Christ has defeated Satan, He's defeated sin by nailing them to the cross. And where David died, was buried, and is still dead today, 
Jesus Christ was resurrected to life, beating the power of death and vindicated and shown to be God's champion. As we sung earlier, come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain Him. Praise the Lord, He is alive. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, my prayer is that you would know yourself to be a sinner before God. That you are like Israel, serving anything but God. And friend, because of your sin, you are an enemy of God and you need a champion to stand in your place. Jesus Christ can be your champion today. He can defeat the enemies of Satan's sin and death in your life. He can bear the wrath of God for your sin. And in His faithfulness, He will give you abundant and eternal life. Friend, I plead with you to trust in the Lord Jesus today. And brothers and sisters, let us rejoice in how faithful our God is. Let me encourage you to hold fast to Him because He is our only hope in life and in death. He has been your champion now. He will be your champion through all eternity. Well, we should conclude. Our natural inclination is to read David and Goliath as if we were David. As if we were the one who could go out and beat the Philistine. If only we had the faith. But in 1 Samuel 17, we see the sin of Israel and it shows us our need for a champion. We see the courage of David. And it's meant to encourage us to trust the Lord and to have zeal for His name. And we see the faithfulness of God to provide Israel a champion in David. But not only that, God fulfills His covenant promise in Jesus, the son of David, who has defeated the Goliaths of Satan, sin, and death, the enemies of God for the people of God. And so the people of God can rejoice because the battle has belonged to the Lord. And the Lord has won the day. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise You that You are faithful to Your promises, even in the midst and in spite of our sin. So we pray, amazing love, how can it be that Thou, my God, should die for me? So bold we approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ our own. Amen.